I'm Justin Crow, founder at Parting Stone, and this is the Death Care Decoded podcast. In this podcast, we explore trends in the death care profession by sharing valuable insights by industry thought leaders. Our mission is to bring forward-thinking education to death care professionals. This week, we are back with Jody Harrington, location manager at Skylon Memorial Park in Oakland, California, to talk about the rise of eco-friendly options in death care. In this conversation, Jody walks us through the importance of considering environmental impact in the death care space and how funeral homes can build valuable connections with their local communities through local product sourcing and engagement. You are jumping into a conversation with myself, Alexandra Joe, culture manager at Parting Stone, and Jody Harrington. After talking to Justin, after talking to you, we didn't talk much about like eco options and your history and offering those to the funeral homes that you work for. Justin told me this story about how when you worked in Albuquerque, you made an entire showroom that was locally sourced or like eco-friendly, which I think is so cool. And especially, again, being new to this industry, the carbon footprint of what funerals um, and death care makes, it, I, it's not something I'd thought about before. So just to get the conversation started, what are some of the ways that the death care space can cultivate a more sustainable, environmentally friendly future? And has management typically been supportive of these ideas? And why do you think that is or is not? So it's like a three-part question. Um, so when it comes to how can we be more sustainable, I think that comes hand in hand with educating our clientele. Today's world, we're inundated with the uh, reported effects and the perceived and felt effects of climate change. Everyone's aware of it. Even those who don't acknowledge it are aware something is different. Winters are different than they were in our childhood. Summers are different than they were in our childhood. Everyone's aware of a change. So educating the consumer as to what their options are is the first and easiest way of creating sustainability. People come to me all the time and came to me as a funeral director all the time and say, number one thing, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. All I know is we're this religion kind of, or I've been to a funeral or maybe I've never been to a funeral and I don't know what to do. And we're doing a disservice to not only that family, but ecology and the ecosphere in, in general, but we're doing a huge disservice by just saying, okay, well, then your options are traditional burial or cremation. Mm. Um, you're not serving the family. You're not educating them about what may be best for their family. Maybe that family cares deeply about sustainability, or maybe the mom was an ecologist. Maybe the dad was a botanist. Maybe you never know what the full story is, but the conversation of having more than just these basic options certainly is the first step in creating a sustainable funeral industry. Uh, 
sustainability, ecologically speaking. Um, families who find out that, oh, well, I don't have to do a traditional burial and that's not really what jives with me anyhow. That's great to know. What are my options? Oh, well, we could do a shroud. We could do a willow casket. We could do a bamboo casket. We could do a cremation and your cremated remains can become a tree. That's the big one. Oh, I want to be a tree. I want to be a tree. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's, there's all these things that have meaning and without educating the family without having the conversation you'll never realize that so having that simple conversation of what's important to you what would you like to see that's the first step um as for your second question i've now forgotten it oh, so can i have sure and in your experience um have funeral home management been supportive of these kinds of ideas and why or why not uh i have seen unilateral support from all of my supervisors in every company I've approached about this for different reasons. Some support it because they are also ecologically minded. Some support it because they see it as another avenue of serving the families. Some see it because as a benefit because, oh, maybe we can get better revenue or it's better for the business. There's different reasons. I don't care what those reasons are. I care about getting what I want. Um, so the fact that they see a boon for their reason, that's on them. My concern is offering the families the options and making the impossible possible. And I know uh, Alexandra touched on this in the beginning, but I was wondering, because I remember you creating that showroom here in Santa Fe of all local made and um, environmentally friendly cremation products. Um, and I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about... No, my, one of my greatest achievements. I love <laughs> I that think so. so much. It it's incredible. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it was an, I remember it was one whole wall and it said... I think environmentally or eco-friendly cremation containers. And then the other wall was all local made Santa Fe artisan containers. And it was beautiful. And I wondered why more funeral homes don't do that. Uh, and I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, what that process was like to, to do that and, and what, what you saw, like how did, how did people respond to it? The process was really eye-opening. Um, I, I had never attempted to do anything like that at, a at any other funeral homes because Santa Fe has an artist mindset to begin with. And I believe that the funeral home that you present to your, your community should be a reflection of that community. It shouldn't be like mass industrial complexes if you have a very folk homemade community. Um, and vice versa. It shouldn't be super folksy if you live in like New York City. Uh, it has to be a reflection of the people you're serving. And in Santa Fe, they're artists and they appreciate art. If they don't create art, they appreciate art. And art is something special and has a deep meaning for different reasons, different varieties of art. Um, so it was really eye-opening to kind of realize, wait a minute, this is a place where this is possible. 
um, I had always thought about having like really special, one of a kind, unique pieces, but it, it hadn't really fit with previous places I'd been, but in Santa Fe it did fit. And uh, so that was really something where when I realized that the two would go hand in hand, um, it was it was great. It was like, yes, I can do this here and it's going to be really special and I can source it easily here. Um, what was also eye opening for me was the number of artists that I had approached about having their pieces become urns. Uh, the number of artists that said, you know, I've been trying to create urns for funeral homes forever and I keep getting turned down. And it, it's, it comes, I hate to say it, it comes down to laziness. It's so much easier to have a catalog of urns that you just say, okay, I need B125, send me five of them. I'm just going to keep them in my storage room. It's so much easier to do that than it is to go to a craft show that's only twice a year and look at all of the hundreds and hundreds of pieces and pick out something that may not be your style, but you can see it being someone's style and you can see it being something special for someone. That's hard. It is, it was, I mean, it was expensive. Uh, it was difficult because I have a very particular taste and a lot of the urns that I chose were not of my taste. So I had to go outside of myself and say, okay, this isn't really for me, but would it be someone else? And so it was difficult, but it was worth it because what was created was something that was so beautiful and just really cannot be compared to anywhere else. As nice as a selection room, as nice of a selection room as I created in Oakland is, and I created a beautiful one there as well, it wasn't the unique one-of-a-kind handmade pieces that you could see were never going to be created again in this world. Um, so it was, it was really interesting to see how that evolved and how it fit with that community. Now, I do believe that since I've gone that that selection gallery is no longer like that because it's not easy. And I, I can't fault the new employees for choosing the easy route. It, it is what it is. But how mutually beneficial, right, to everyone involved in putting that extra elbow grease and that extra legwork in because you're, A, funding local artists, right? Which is super important. And B, you are cutting down on shipping. Um, you're cutting down on giant factories that pollute the environment. You're cutting down on packing materials and plastics, right? And then also C, you're getting to give someone's family an experience in picking out the urn for that very unique individual that is as unique as that individual was. Right. Like it just feels special in all three of those areas. Um, and so it seems like it really is worth doing the research and putting the time in because it benefits, 
you know, many different communities, the global community environmentally, the local artist um, and craftsman community, and then also your families are, are benefiting from it. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, it was worth it. It was all worth it. And I enjoyed doing it. Uh, so if there is someone at any funeral home in any part of the, uh, of the country that thinks that something like that would be a feasible option and they have the artist community that could help support and create those pieces that can then be put on display in a gallery setting like we had. We, we specifically called it a selection gallery because these are art pieces. These aren't just urns, mm -hmm. they're art. Um, so if you, for any funeral director or manager who feels that they're in that kind of community and any funeral director or manager who is worth, who's willing to put in the work and sees that it's worth it, it is worth it 100% for all of those reasons that you just described. It, it forms a bond between the community that you're buying from and the funeral home and the community that you're providing these pieces to. So it's this huge mutualistic system where people can see that, that you're not just part of an industrial complex, you're part of the community and the community matters and what they find important, you find important. And from a family perspective as well, I can imagine, you know, being in that scenario and selecting a container for your loved one, you're, you're looking for something you feel connection with. And it's hard to feel a connection with those really traditional steel urns. Um, but if you see a, if you see a handmade box, like that's a human connection. If you see a handmade box by an artist that you know is local, that's a really strong connection. And uh, I feel like there's so many benefits. I mean, there's so many benefits, not only to the environment and to the family, but also it seems like there's some real sales and revenue and profit potential benefits for funeral homes who went down this route as well. Absolutely. Um, the, it, it all comes back to the relationships you're forming with the community you're surrounding yourself with. Um, because a funeral home is entirely guided by the relationships that it forms with its surrounding community. If the community doesn't connect with the funeral home and the funeral home doesn't connect with the community, that funeral home might as well just close its doors because nobody's going to trust them. But if you form that connection with them and find that common ground about what has value, then it ha it opens so many doors. And what are some ways that you've done that? I've seen you do it in Santa Fe, but I'm wondering, you know, what are some ways that you've been able to form that really essential connection between funeral home and community? Um, well, when I was in Idaho at uh, Cloverdale Funeral Home, I started their Dia de los Muertos festival. Boise has a side community, and it's by side, I mean it's off to the side of Boise. <laughs> um, it's a side Hispanic community, and it's a very vibrant 
Hispanic community. Whereas Boise's, I mean, Boise is Boise. Boise is an awesome city, by the way. Uh, but it's a very Caucasian, very white city. It's uh, and it's very Mormon and Catholic. It's it's a very traditional city. So recognizing that there was a vibrant Hispanic community that hadn't crossed the line into Boise and hadn't really incorporated itself into Boise was still seen as outsiders. Why not have a Dia de los Muertos festival? So while I was there, I started a festival that is again, based on handcrafts handmade. We didn't want a festival full of like stuff you could buy at the store. We wanted handmade, we wanted things made by the people in the community to sell to the people of the community and to share their culture with this fairly insulated Idahoan community. Um, and I am really proud to say that that festival has grown as and has continued on since I've left there and has become a really big part of the community there was um, became kind of so big that the uh, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce took over wow. guiding it. It's still held on the property, but that was something that I started. And I'm very proud of that because it's to me, it was a means of bringing two cultures together. Uh, and I got a lot of phone calls uh, before that very first one from angry white women saying that I was bringing the devil's work in there and I was bringing some pagan ritual. Wow. They just didn't understand. They'd never been exposed to it. So, I mean, you can't get mad at them not understanding because they'd just never been exposed to it. So this is new and scary for them. But I'm very proud of the fact that it's continued on because that means that the Boise community embraced it. And the two cultures are now intermingling in ways that they hadn't before. Wow, that is such a cool accomplishment. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud to know that they continued it on. Um, it was just a, a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun and a lot of reward came out of it. So, so for funeral directors or um, people in this industry that want to get started with programs like that or the more eco-friendly like green option earns, um, do you have any recommendations where they could start any resources? Um, like, how, yeah, how do they get started? So when it comes to eco-friendly, um, you guys should know you have one of the preeminent uh, eco-friendly funeral uh, merchandise purveyors in the country on your doorstep, Passages International, run by Darren Crouch. He's a wonderful person. His staff is just amazing. They do amazing work and they do it for a good reason. They believe in the product that they provide. They offer excellent customer service. I am incredibly proud of the relationship that I had and still marginally continue with, with Passages International because they're a wonderful company. My first suggestion would be to seek them out. Passages will 
uh, assist you with setting up what is needed to have your own little eco-friendly section of your selection room or gallery, whatever you choose to call it, um, and then go from there. The eco-friendly section in the Berardinelli selection gallery was comprised of eco-friendly options from Passages International, from Kelco, from Sinosaurus, from PBF. Uh, just me scouring the funeral trades, looking for anything and everything I could find. And then once I found it, determining if it was right for that gallery. Maybe I didn't get it all right, but it looked great. <laughs> so um, it's it's uh, a great place to start passages. They may not have everything that you're looking for, but be a funeral nerd, be a cremation nerd, be a burial nerd, and just hit the internet. The internet has great options. Um, another place where I got a lot of inspiration is there is a funeral home in the UK called Arca, Arca Funerals. And they do beautiful work. Uh, they really customize the funerals and they're eco-friendly. They have eco-friendly options and they were my inspiration. I took my lead from what they do and tried to do my version here. So find something that is a good inspiration for you and something you'd like to emulate or make your own and go from there. Uh, but really just become a nerd, learn everything you can, be a busybody. Yes. <laughs> I like <laughs> that advice. Power. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, so the, the like community and local artists side of it, um, I guess the same question kind of could apply. Like, how did you like, or do you have recommendations for where to get started? Like in your own community, you know, the first thing I would say is uh, look up when uh, when craft fairs are. Start by going to craft fairs and you will find craft people who are in the realm of what you're looking for and then talk to them. Where else do you display your work? Who else do you sell with? How do you sell when you're not here at these craft fairs? Do you have a website? Do you work with other artists? Uh, do you all show or do you all have a website together or is there a centralized location where I can see all of your work? And 99% of the time that craft fair is not the only place they're displaying their stuff. But all you have to do is talk to one of them. And if they're going to sell their work, they will be more than happy to speak to you. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to us today and for all your insights and advice. Uh, really appreciate it, Judy. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. I'm so glad to have been here. Yeah. Um, this is super enlightening for me being really new to this business. And um, I really appreciate it. Um, and it's great to like put a face to your voice after just talking to you on the phone a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. Here. So, here. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, guys, I'm just, I'm so, so proud of my relationship that I've been able to form with not just you, Justin, but your company. I think you're doing amazing work. And I am so thrilled that we have this 
to offer families, that this is something, this is just a continuation of doing the good work, uh, offering the, the families whatever it is that soothes their soul. Just like this job, this industry soothes my soul, I wanna offer families something that soothes their soul. And what you guys are doing is just another extension of how I can offer to our families something uniquely special for them. Beautiful. That's Thank wonderful you for saying to hear. that. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Jody. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I've had a good time. This production is brought to you by Parting Stone who wants to remind you that when your families choose cremation, they don't have to receive cremated remains.